Good morning. We're glad that you're here today. Very thankful for your presence. We appreciate so much your willingness to be here this morning. It is a rainy, stormy day. Very grateful that you are willing to brave the weather and come to worship today. We certainly want to encourage you to come back tonight, as we always do. It might be that you're visiting today, and we want you to know how much we appreciate you being here. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. I do want to say how great it was to see Trent Blaylock waiting on the table today. Trent became a Christian about a week or two ago, and so we're very proud of him. And great to see him waiting on the table and very thankful for him and all of our young people. We're going to be looking at the passage that was read a moment ago, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26 in our study today. One of the things that we have pointed out in the last few weeks is that Jesus often asked a number of questions. Jesus many times would ask those who were around him certain very pointed questions. Many times Jesus would respond to a question with a question. When you begin looking at some of the burning questions that Jesus asked, during his ministry. I think sometimes it's helpful for us to try to put ourselves in the first century and to think that what if we had been, been in the presence of Jesus? And what if he had looked us in the face, in the eyes, and asked us some of the most profound questions that we've ever been asked in this life? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus asked a question that all of us have to answer at some point in time in life. In Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus asked this question. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Imagine you being present on this occasion and Jesus looking into your eyes and asking you, what will it profit you if you gain the world and lose your soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? How would you answer? How would you answer the Lord Jesus? In our study today, I want us to think about this question. And I want us to simply ask the question, how would you answer Jesus? Because we must all answer this question. When I look at this particular text, there are three things that stand out. First, there is an invitation. Listen to Jesus in verse 24. Jesus, of course, speaking to his disciples. And he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. First, there is an open invitation. There is an open invitation. Jesus said, if any man, that is applicable to all, isn't it? Somewhat reminiscent of what Jesus said in John 3, verse 16, For God so loved 
the world. God is interested in all people. God is interested in all people following him, becoming his disciples. And so I think about the plea of Jesus. And again, Jesus is saying, look, if any man, if any man is willing to follow me, would you be willing to follow Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you one of his disciples? Are you one willing to learn, to be transformed, to be made over? So I think about the plea of Jesus and then the pathway to Jesus. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here's the difficult part. And that is the willingness on our part to deny ourselves. You know, we live in a very selfish age, don't we? This is, as some have said, the me generation. It's all about me. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be one of my disciples, it's not all about you. You've got to be willing to relinquish your will to my will. To subjugate your life for my life. Are you willing to do that? Jesus of course, is interested in people following him. And this idea of dying to self, that is a prerequisite. It's not a suggestion, it's not an option, but rather what the Lord is saying is, look, if you want to follow me, here's the pathway. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Galatians 6, 14, Paul again would say, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying in order to follow Jesus, I had to be willing to die to self. Are you willing to die to self? Jesus is pleading for people to come to him. And the pathway to Jesus, that pathway begins by denying self. But then there is also an ongoing expectation. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 25. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Two things here. You know, when Jesus talked about self-denial and this willingness to put him first in life, the Lord Jesus is saying that there may come a point in time in life when the road becomes very difficult. It might be the case that we're going to face some trials and troubles in life, and it might be that as we face this road of discipleship, we might have to relinquish our own life. So Jesus is saying, we have to be willing to be faithful unto death. That is, in the face of death, 
We're not willing to renounce Christ. We're not willing to renounce His will and His way in our lives, but we're willing to say, you know what? We're going to stand, we're going to stand with the Lord come what may. Faithful unto death. Here's what Jesus said. Be faithful unto death, and I will give unto you the crown of life. And that's the idea. In the face of death, I'm willing to stand true to the Lord. So I'm faithful unto death, and then I am faithful until death. I may not be called upon to lay down my life for the cause of Christ, physically speaking. It might be the case that I suffer trials and troubles for my faith in the Lord Jesus, and he talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I might suffer for my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it might not be that I'm called upon to die for the Lord. But I am expected to be faithful, not only in the face of death, unto death, but I'm to be faithful until death, until I'm called home, aren't I? Do you remember James in James chapter 1? James talked about the trials of life. And he said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been tried or proven, then he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. There's the idea, faithful until death. I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to stand by him day in, day out, come what may, until the end of life. So first there is an invitation. But secondly, there is what I would call a temptation. Listen again to Jesus in verse 26. Jesus asked, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to begin this point by saying, investing in the world, investing in worldly gain can be deceptive business. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that if you choose to invest, put all your eggs in one basket, it can be very deceptive. Now you might ask the question, how so? Well, here's the point. There are a lot of people that their life, it's all about the goods of this world. It's all about gaining the world and getting more of that slice of the pie. And what Jesus is saying is worldly investments can't always buy happiness. There are a lot of people, they think in their heart of hearts that they can somehow buy happiness. I mean, don't you know people in our world today that have this idea if they could get a little bit more of this world's goods, that that's, that's going to be what makes them happy? If they could somehow be a household name that, I mean, that's going to make me happy. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have sold, they've been sold this bill of goods. That if I could be powerful and successful in life, if I could somehow reach the pinnacle of my chosen profession, then everything's going to fall into place and I'm going to be happy. Not so. Solomon was a great man. And Solomon had a lot of great 
as we would say, worldly blessings. And yet in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17, in light of everything that Solomon had, and you think about what he had, Solomon said, I hated life. What do you mean, Solomon? What he's saying is that the things of this world did not necessarily make him happy in life. Here's what Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. The goods of this world can't always buy happiness today. I mean, don't we want happiness in life? Aren't we looking for contentment and satisfaction? I mean, isn't that what we're all after? The answer is yes. But sadly, many, many people, they are looking for happiness and contentment and satisfaction in all the wrong places. It's interesting to me, the number of high-profile people in our world, successful, successful in the realm of business, successful in the in the realm of finance, some in the world of sports, some in entertainment. It's amazing to me the number of those people who destroy themselves with drugs and alcohol. And then I think about others who because of unhappiness and discontentment choose to take their own life. Were they looking for happiness? Yes. Did they think that fame and stardom would somehow make them happy? Probably. The bottom line is, it didn't do that. Worldly investments can't always bring happiness today. There's a second thing. Worldly investments, worldly gain can't always buy hope for tomorrow. You know, there are a lot of people in our world today, they have literally placed all of their eggs in the here and now. You can ask them. Their fortune, their life, it's all wrapped up right here on planet Earth. And they've forgotten something. And that is, Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, he said, who knows what a day may bring forth? We are literally here today and gone tomorrow. So let's just say that in our heart of hearts, we've been out trying to gobble up a sizable portion of this world. And all of our eggs are in the basket of this world. And we've accumulated fame and stardom and money and gold and silver and cars and houses and all these things. But then like the rich farmer, death intervenes. Could I ask this question, what then? Here's what Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You can accumulate all the treasures that you want this side of eternity. You can have a bank load of money. You can have stocks and bonds. You can have a, a safe house full of that stuff. You can buy as much land as the human eye can see. 
You can gobble up this, this business and that business. You can be a household name. But when you leave this world, you leave everything behind. Listen again to what Jesus asked. What does a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Investing in the world is deceptive business. Investing in the world is not just deceptive, but it is also dangerous business. Have you ever thought about that? Investing in the world is dangerous business. Why? Because it can, it can come between us and our priorities in life. Would you say that's true? Worldly investments can undermine our priorities in life. What is my priority? What's priority number one in life? Is it about God? Is it about self? Is it about your family? Is it about your country? What is number one in your life? Are you more interested in laying up treasures for yourself in heaven or on earth? You know, sometimes if we're not careful, our... Jesus said, seek first. That means before anything else. He said, you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness? Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Are you living for Him day in, day out? So, it can undermine our priorities. Is it possible that sometimes we get so busy with quote-unquote life that we forget about serving God? Look, I know we all have a plate full. And life can get hectic running, running kids to and from ball games and certain activities with school. And we've got our job, we've got this, we've got that, we're involved in this and we're involved in that. But here's what happens. Sometimes what happens is the Lord gets crowded out of our lives. And let me tell you what, there's some folks that ought to be here this morning, but they're not here. And the reason is because the Lord has been crowded out of their lives. Do you know what I'm talking about? They ought to be here. They ought to be in the pew, but they're not in the pew. Where are they? They're at home. They're doing this or doing that. Why? Because they're not interested in spiritual things. That's just the bottom line. Now, we talk about undermining our priorities. Let me tell you what. Let me add something to that. Not only does it undermine our priorities, it will undermine our promises. If we think we're going to heaven and our lives are wrapped up in the world, let me tell you what. We have got another thing coming. We're not going to make it to heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you're so involved in the world and the world's all about you and, and, and your life is all about the world, you need to understand something. You have just sold your soul to the devil. That's what he's saying. The Bible says that we live in hope of life eternal. 
which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Jesus talked about the hope of heaven. The fact that one day we could be together in heaven. But let me tell you what, if we buy into the world and we get sucked into that way of life, we're not going to make it to heaven. We're not going to be numbered among the redeemed in that glorious land. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. Who's the Lord preparing a place for? People that put Him first? People that serve Him? People that love Him? People that are willing to deny self, take up the cross and follow Him day in, day out. Is He saying then that we're going to be flawless in how we live here upon planet Earth? Absolutely not. We are imperfect beings, but we're striving to walk in the light. And the assurance is, if we walk in the light, He's in the light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. So think about it for just a moment. There is this temptation that lies before all of us. And Jesus is saying, look, don't fall into that trap. Don't allow the world to come between you and the hope of heaven. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. First, the invitation. Secondly, the temptation. And then thirdly, the realization. Listen again to Jesus, verse 26. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Let me talk for a minute about the worth of the soul. Could I ask you a question today? What's the value that you would place on a human soul? More specifically, how much do you value your eternal soul? Would you put a a dollar amount on it? I mean, how much do you value your soul? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the soul. That eternal dimension of human life. You remember Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible talks about when death comes, the body returns to, to the dust from whence it was taken, the spirit returns to God who gave it life. God is the Father of life. So we're talking about the Creator of the soul. Did you know that God created you? We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as David said in Psalm 139. The complexity of the human body is astounding. But housed within that human body is an eternal soul. And God is the Creator of the soul. So when we talk about God, the creator of the soul, we need, to, we need to understand something about the value that he places upon the soul. And what God is saying is, your soul, my soul, our soul is extremely valuable. It's costly. Here's what the Bible says, but God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you know the Lord Jesus went to the cross, suffered, bled, and died for us? Why? Because He was interested in redeeming our soul. What was it Paul said? Romans chapter 8, verse 32. God who spared not His own Son, 
You think about the worth of your soul. How much is your soul worth? It's more than all the land you could ever buy. It's worth more than all the businesses and corporations that you could could buy up. It's more than all the gold and silver this world has to offer. Your soul is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying your soul is extremely important. It's valuable. It's costly. You think about Jesus came to earth. He answered the summons of the Father. God needed a redeemer, didn't he? He sent his only begotten son into the world. Jesus, the second member of the Godhead, willing to tabernacle in human flesh, down Calvary's cross for our sins so that we might one day spend eternity with him in heaven. And the devil's out here dangling the world before us and he's saying, you know what? You need need more of the world. You need to buy into the world. You need to live for the world. A lot of folks have done that. And they have done so. They have done so to the demise of their soul. So I think about the worth of the soul, but I want to close by just very quickly talking about the waste of the soul. It's hard to see people waste good money. Many of us have seen people throw good money at bad. There have been many of us that have made bad investments in life, haven't we? I mean, we've wasted, there have been times in life, no doubt, when we've wasted time. We've wasted our treasures. We've wasted our talents. The world is full of people like that, isn't it? But what about wasting the soul? Did you know that Housed within your body is an eternal soul. The worst, the absolute worst thing imaginable. Not to lose your home, not to lose your automobile, not to lose your bank account, not to lose your job. The worst, the absolute worst of the worst, to lose your soul. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8? Except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. He said, if you die in your sin where I am, there you cannot come. That's the idea right there. If we die in sin where He is, we will not be able to enter. And so you think about wasting the soul. Could I say today that the loss of one soul, the loss of your soul, the loss of, my, the loss of any soul is a catastrophic loss. Now we're well aware of catastrophic events that occur in the world in which we live. We talk about tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes and the fact that many times people lose everything that they have. And there are times when we'll talk about how billions of dollars, billions of dollars are the result of a tsunami, or a hurricane. People have lost that much. It is a catastrophic loss. Let me tell you what, you lose your soul, that is a catastrophic loss. 
Not only is the loss of one soul a catastrophic loss, it is a complete loss. Listen again to Jesus. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, there have been people in our world today, and it may be the case that you have literally lost everything. Maybe you had a thriving business and you lost it. Business went south and you lost everything. Maybe you have lost your home. Maybe you have lost your life savings. Heard not long ago about a fellow. All of his savings, all of, his, all of the things that he had worked for in life, he said, it's all gone. Complete loss. Let me tell you what, you lose your soul, you have no idea what a complete loss that is. You talk about losing everything, you lose your soul, let me tell you what, that is the worst, that is the absolute worst case scenario. And what Jesus is saying is, don't lose your soul. The Lord is saying, your soul is, is worth more than everything this world has to offer. There is nothing this world has to offer that would equate to your eternal soul. So if Jesus were looking you in the eye today, and if he were to ask you, what will it profit you if you gain the world and lose your soul? What would you say to him? How would you answer that? Now, remember, Jesus knows. He knows all things, doesn't he? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 23, He is the one who searches the reins and the hearts. He sees all, He knows all. And He knows, He knows what's really important in your life. So is it the world? Or is it, is it all about Him? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we urge you, we beg you, we encourage you strongly to become one today. What would you need to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Be willing to repent of your sins as they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, verse 38. Confess the name of Jesus before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. God will then put you in the church. And the Bible says He is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5, 23. And then be faithful until death promise being the crown of life. If you're here today and your life is not what it ought to be and you need the prayers of the church, look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing for your encouragement.